What is up and welcome to the 49ers Camelot Show. We are talking 49ers mailbag today. So we've taken the mailbag questions in the most recent 49ers Web Zone mailbag and we're putting them together so that you can not only read them if you want to at 49erswebzone.com, but you can also listen, watch, however you want to do it. Some people don't want to read. They'd rather hear and and watch, and that's fine. So uh, you have it both ways. Um, I read an interesting thing before I get into the mailbag from Al Sacco, um, who's also a 49ers web zone guy. Uh, he posted just about an hour ago, Christian McCaffrey is four catches away from passing Roger Craig for the most receptions by a running back in the first seven seasons of their NFL career. So that is really impressive. Uh, I think that Christian McCaffrey is on his way to a Hall of Fame career. As you know, uh, if you've listened to me any, uh, you know that I'm a believer that uh, Roger Craig should be in the Hall of Fame, that he should have been a long time ago. And so I think that it's ridiculous that he's not. Uh, We've worked at trying to get him in the Hall of Fame, and so hopefully this year, um, this this next year, he will um, finally get selected for that. But great, uh, great stat for Christian McCaffrey that uh, the way that his uh, career has started off definitely puts him in a situation where I think he has a great chance to be a Hall of Famer um, once he is five years removed from his playing career. So thought that was a pretty interesting stat from, from Al. So let's jump into the 49ers web zone mailbag. These are questions that uh, uh, that we get from uh, 49ers fans uh, where they're asking different questions. And so just how this works, we open up the mailbag on Mondays and people respond and they ask questions or sometimes people will email me or reach out to me on Twitter or different places and ask questions that way. When the 49ers lose, I usually get a lot of questions and they're often on the angry side. Uh, when the 49ers win, things are more positive and happy. And and so you're going to see that. That's basically what we're looking at today. Although there is one question in here, you'll know it when we get to it, that is not on the happy side. And so it's going to be uh, an interesting uh, discussion there. So let's get into this. Um, first question comes from Andy. He says the whole team, but especially the defense, looked fast and strong. Was the buy all they needed to get back rested and refreshed to where they were early in the season? Yeah, I think the buy came at just the right time for the 49ers. It not only allowed some injured players like Debo Samuel and Trent Williams uh, the time to come back. Um, not only that, but Dre Greenlaw. I don't know if Dre Greenlaw could have played the following Sunday after that Cincinnati game because he just was struggling. And so I don't know if he would have been able to play in that game. So it allowed him to get healthier. It allowed him to rest and reflect. Um, But I think that maybe the biggest benefit was that it allowed them the opportunity to clear their heads and kind of take stock in where they're at and what they want to do and kind of refocus that way, maybe make some adjustments. I mean, we saw Steve Wilkes 
move from being up in the booth to being down on the sideline. I don't know how big of an impact that had or if it had really any at all, but there was that one glimpse of him on the sideline where he was really um, giving some encouragement to Ambry Thomas. Uh, I think it was maybe after a big play that Thomas had made. I don't remember if it was the fumble recovery uh, or if it was something else, but there was that moment where Steve Wilkes was really encouraging uh, Ambry Thomas. Um, so, but, but definitely he had some different looks. I mean, the 49ers defense was killing it out there. They were so good. They still missed more tackles than they should have missed, but, uh, they definitely were better. Uh, they committed less penalties. They really got after the quarterback. They shut down the run. Um, I, I think that the, maybe their weakness in this game, uh, against, uh, Jacksonville was stopping the screen pass. Um, and, and going into Tampa, that's, that's something that the, the Bucks do really well also. So that could be difficult as well. And so when we look at that, uh, the 49ers defense really beyond the, the screen game and stopping that played just about flawless. They were so good. And so I think some of those adjustments that were made in the bye week really paid off. Um, Kyle Shanahan said this, not, not this past Monday, but uh, last week uh, toward the weekend, he said, uh, I knew that we needed to get away for rest, but the cool thing was when we came back Monday, not this Monday, but the Monday before, I didn't know how the guys were going to be. I was ready to go in and talk to them as a team, and it was one of the most easy team meetings I've ever had. Just the energy in the room, the feeling, I, I think guys were really pissed and disappointed about how things have gone, and I think they were pumped to be back at work on Monday. We had a great practice to start the week. The energy has been at an all-time high, and we just want to get to Sunday and go out there and play football. So that's what Kyle Shanahan said last week. So he saw a difference in his team when they came back uh, from the bye. So uh, let's see, uh, what do we have here? The next question from Jose, hi, Mark. Uh, my question is if this level of play is sustainable for the rest of the season, including playoffs, because we had the same level five games in a row, and then all of a sudden it all came down. I do believe that this level of play is sustainable. And for one thing, this team is probably the most talented team in the NFL. So when they play focused, when they're, when they're healthy or at least somewhat healthy, they have the potential to, to really do a lot of damage and win a lot of games. So, yeah, I think they could easily go on a roll. Well, maybe not easily, but they could go on a roll here. And think about this. The past two seasons, they went on a tear in the second half of the season after starting slow. So in 2021, they won seven of their last nine games and then stormed into the playoffs. Last season, they won their final 10 games of the regular season. So yes, it is very possible for the 49ers to maintain what we saw on Sunday. <clears throat> Not that they're going to blow every team out, but they certainly can keep this going and, uh, and, and keep that momentum ready for the playoffs. So they have a really good chance to, uh, to win most of their, I, I think that they can, they can win every game and I'm going to get to one of them specifically here in a minute, but I think they can win every game that they play in if they play like they're capable of playing. And if they play focused like they did on Sunday against Jacksonville, like they did against Dallas, 
when they play like that, nobody's going to beat them. But uh, when they play like they did against Cleveland or Minnesota or Cincinnati, then uh, then no, they're they're going to struggle um, at uh, at those in those times. So Centennial said, "I'll take an ugly win every game if it gets us the one seed." Yeah, I'll. T- I don't need blowouts. Blowouts are nice. Blowouts are really good because here's what I would love to see. You know, so the 49ers went into the fourth quarter with a big lead on Sunday. They were able to rest a lot of their players. And so I would love to see that happen again this Sunday against Tampa. So then that way, getting ready on a short week to play Seattle, maybe the 49ers can be a little bit more rested than if they had to play the whole game. And let's hope that Seattle plays a tough game and they end up going into overtime. I don't know who they play, but uh, I hope that they have a really tough time and maybe go into overtime. That would be perfect uh, because the 49ers play the Seahawks that following Thursday on Thanksgiving. So, so yeah, I think they can um, sustain this. So here is the... Uh, the the negative question that I got, the biggest negative question that I got this week. This is from Darren. When do we talk about firing Kyle Shanahan as he won't let his quarterback pass? <laughs> I I don't even know if this is real. I mean, this is so crazy. You're talking about firing Shanahan, and you're asking this. You you're, you didn't ask this at the end of the three game losing streak. You at, you asked this after they dismantled the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so that's when Darren comes in here and says, hey, Kyle Shanahan should be fired. So here's what he wants. I mean, and it's because he wants Shanahan to throw the ball more. I mean, this team is built to run, and and, and they won. They won big. When they're running the ball, they're hard to beat. And yet uh, this guy's wanting him fired because he doesn't throw the ball enough. So here's the thing. Shanahan's led his team to the NFC Championship game the past two seasons, three out of the last four. Uh, One of them was the Super Bowl in 2019. Since that season, 2019, the 49ers are 48 and 27 in the regular season. If you take out the injury ravaged 2020, in which they finished six and 10, then Shanahan's 42 and 17 in the regular season, six and three in the postseason. And think about this who would you replace him with? I mean, all you have to do is go back a little ways in 49ers history, and you can see that there have been some terrible firings of successful coaches for the 49ers when they didn't have a plan in place. I remember John York firing Steve Mariucci. And he didn't have a plan in place. He hired Dennis Erickson. Erickson was horrible. He only stayed with the 49ers for two seasons and coached one of the worst 49ers teams in history in 20 uh, in 2004 i think they only won one or two games that that team was so bad and then jed york fired jim harbaugh replaced him with jim tom sula and that didn't even last a year in fact uh, when i interviewed matt barrows earlier in uh, back in the off season i i asked matt barrows about uh, his favor or his most memorable press conference you know and and I assumed it would be a, a Jim Harbaugh uh, press conference, but he said that the introductory press conference when Jim Tom Sula was hired was his biggest uh, memory because 
he said that it was so bad that when it was over that Matt looked at some of the other beat writers and said, well, I guess we'll see, see each other here this time next year. And he was right. Tom Sula only lasted a year. That was a disaster. So um, before you start saying fire the coach, you better have a plan in place as to who's going to replace them, and it better be an upgrade. And by the way, Brock Purdy threw the ball 26 times on Sunday. Um, he also was sacked twice. So in essence, that's 28 pass plays. The 49ers ran the ball 30 times. So to me, that's extremely well-balanced offense, and that's what you want. So no, the 49ers are not going to fire Kyle Shanahan, nor should they. They shouldn't even be talking about that. So next question's from Niner Jim. He said, uh, why didn't Juice go down at the one? He's Obviously, he is uh, being facetious. This is when uh, Kyle Juszczyk caught a pass right around the one-yard line and scored a touchdown. And uh, even on the broadcast, uh, Daryl, the Moose Johnston, was saying kind of the same thing, that uh, that uh, uh, that Juice should have gone down at the one and let McCaffrey score. Because if he would have scored, he would have broke that all-time record of most consecutive games with a touchdown. But uh, definitely everybody's joking about that. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk is not a selfish player. He's, uh, he's very... Uh, unselfish and so he just he he deserved to score that touchdown uh just as as much as anybody else thomas asked assuming good health do you believe san francisco is better than philly i do i think that if the 49ers are healthy and they play focused and they play like they're capable of playing they are better than anyone that includes any of those teams in the afc i think this is the best team in the nfl now the Eagles have two advantages that uh, that I think would give them an edge when the game is in Philly. Uh, so if you count the, the Philly crowd, then that would be a third advantage. But I think that the, the two advantages that they have are the quarterback, and that's no, you know, I'm not putting Brock Purdy down or anything, but Jalen Hurts is really good. Now, Brock Purdy may someday be better than Jalen Hurts. I just don't think he is right now. Uh, Jalen Hurts almost won the MVP last season. Uh, and then if you go to the Super Bowl, you could make the case, even though the Eagles lost, you could make the case that Jalen Hurts should have been the, the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, it's always going to go to the winning team, but Hurts was great in uh, the Super Bowl. So I think right now he's better than... Um, uh, the uh, Brock Purdy, <laughs> I forgot his name. Uh, but then the other thing is the trenches. I think that when you when you take the defensive line and the offensive line, I would say that Philly probably has a little bit of an advantage, mainly because of the offensive line. So that would be uh, that's what I would say. But yeah, I think that uh, the 49ers, when they play like they're capable of playing, are better than the Eagles. CJ, what's up, man? Let's see what he says. I don't think we are better than Philly right now. All right. Um, yeah, I do think that if the NFC Championship game, if that's where they met, if that game is in Philly, that's advantage Eagles. If it's in Santa Clara, I think that that's advantage 49ers. But I can I can respect that. I mean, Philly's really good, and so I definitely um, can uh, – 
can appreciate that. I just think that when the 49ers play their game, they can beat anybody. CJ said they are stronger. He's talking about the Eagles are stronger on both lines of scrimmage. Yep, that's uh, that's what uh, I said. I think that they're better in the trenches. And he said they have a better quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I, I And I think that those two things, the trenches <clears throat> and the quarterback, um, probably gives them a, a little bit of an edge, especially when the game is, is in Philly. And right now, they are... Uh, they're they're in the lead for uh, home field advantage, and so we'll see if they lose anymore or if they beat the 49ers. I I think I actually think that when that game is played in December, I probably am going to pick the Eagles to win that game, uh, just because I think it's going to be hard to go there and and win. And if the Eagles do win that game, <clears throat> they'd really have to blow it to not have home field advantage in the NFC. So CJ said, being at home makes a difference. I can agree on that. Yeah, it does. And and I, I think the 49ers are built for the road, but uh, I just think that the Eagles are tough to beat when they're at home. So so yeah, I, I do think that the 49ers uh, have the better roster overall, but uh, I don't have a problem with, with somebody saying that they think the Eagles are better. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Scott asked, what's stopping Moore, uh, he's talking about Jalen Moore, from playing right tackle moving forward? Well, Jalen Moore played well uh, at left left tackle when Trent Williams was out. And Colton McKivitz, even though he hasn't been spectacular, um, at times he hasn't even been, been good, I think you could make the case that he's really not been any kind of downgrade from Mike McGlinchey. Uh, in some ways, he's been better. He's probably probably been better in pass protection than uh, McGlinchey. Probably not as good in uh, run blocking. But uh, would would the 49ers move Jalen Moore to right tackle? I just I, you know some some offensive linemen struggle with that. You know if they were a left tackle struggling going to the right or vice versa. I really don't know what where Jalen Moore is at on that, so I'm not sure if that would be hard for him or easy for him. Um, and and really, if you put Jalen Moore at right tackle, is he, is he going to be that much of an upgrade from Colton McKivitz? I'm just not sure. I mean, he played well in Trent Williams' place, but uh, now if he's going to be on the other side, uh, I'm just not sure. So if I had to make a prediction, I would probably guess that they'll just leave McKivitz at right tackle and hope that he improves as the season goes on and then use more uh, if, uh, if just in case Trent Williams gets hurt again. <clears throat> Zach asked, do you expect Samuel Womack to get in the defensive back rotation at some point? I actually do. I think that... Uh, I think that... So... Last week, the 49ers opened the practice window for uh, for three players, for Robert Bill Jr., for Darrell Luter Jr., and for Samuel Womack III. And of those three, I think that Womack has the best chance of making it onto the active roster. The way that this works is that the practice window opens. It stays open for three weeks, and in that time, the team can have the, that player practice, and then at the end of that time, they have to decide if they shut that player down for the season or if they add them to the active roster. Now, remember, if they add them to the active roster, then somebody else is going to be um, 
released or or let go of uh, from the active roster. So it is a big decision that that they have to make when that time comes. So if they add Samuel Womack to the active roster, who's going to go down? Is it going to be another defensive back? Um, but I do think that he has the best opportunity to uh, uh, of the three. Um, what what he would do? Uh, I, I don't know. I last season he started um, at nickel, but I don't know what the 49ers would do. Is I mean, I really, even though I'm not a huge fan of Ambry Thomas, he did play well on Sunday. And so I'm just not sure if Samuel Womack or Darrell Luter Jr., if they are activated, are they going to be able to pass Ambry Thomas this year? Now, next year, I think that they have a good chance of passing him because I think both, both players might be better than him. But uh, this year, it's going to be hard for them to pass Ambry Thomas on the, uh, on the defensive back, uh, the cornerback uh, depth chart. So I don't know where they would put... Um, Samuel Womack. Uh, it's just it's just going to be interesting to see. CJ said it's football. It's about health and how teams shows up on Sunday. So Eagles are not unbeatable. Yeah, you're right. And uh, he said, I think just sit Burford. You know what? Uh, Kyle Shanahan talked about this a little bit to where I think maybe when Banks comes back, I think that uh, maybe Burford's going to find himself in a rotation again. So that could be, uh, that could be something to watch because yeah, Burford's not, I expected him to take a step forward this year. He has not done that. He's not been um, as good as he should be. And if, if right tackle is a weakness and right guard is a weakness, then you have a problem. And I just think that they've gotten by so far, but when they get into the playoffs and we might see this in early December when they play Philly. When you play a team with a really good defensive line like that, then uh, that that could be a problem. So, um, let's see what else, what's he say next. Yeah, we stuck with Ambry out there. Yeah, I, I think so. And I've been pretty hard on Ambry Thomas, but uh, I will say that he did play well on Sunday. So it's real happy. Uh, to see that red eye what's up man red eye said watched a bunch of bucks pressers they're gung-ho in avenging last season's 35 to 7 loss can't take bucks lightly mike evans trash talk and watch out for him mike evans is a beast because he can go up and grab balls over you or he can beat you deep and so that is going to be the biggest concern for me on sunday uh, whether it's Charvarius Ward or Diamador Lenore or uh, Ambry Thomas or whoever it is, it's going to be interesting to see because I don't know if Isaiah Oliver was benched or if it was just a matchup issue. Isaiah Oliver is not good against those quicker, faster uh, slot receivers, but he is good against the bigger ones, and the Bucks have some bigger ones. So I just wonder if Isaiah Oliver might play on Sunday. Um, instead of what we saw uh, this past Sunday. CJ said, I'm not worried about Tampa. Like, I, I'm the designated worrier, so I worry about every team. They could be the worst team in the in the NFL. I'm still going to be nervous. That's just how I am. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if you want to talk, last year they, ha- they lost with Tom Brady. 
This year they have Baker Mayfield. I don't think that Mayfield is Tom Brady, but uh, as a team, they're probably a little bit better than they were last year. Uncle Salty said, Hi, Mark. Will Darrell Luter Jr. ever see the field this year? He seems like a much better option outside than Oliver as a slot corner. Uh, well, I uh, again, I think that it's going to be tough for uh, for Darrell Luter Jr. to make the active roster. And if he does, how far up the up the ladder is he going to make it? Uh, I just don't know. Even though Ambry Thomas has had his his share of struggles, just not sure that any uh, that uh, Womack or um, Luter are going to be able to pass him on the depth chart. And uh, so, no, I just I. I mean, I guess if he shows a lot in practice, because really he didn't get to practice in training camp because he was hurt before training camp started. So that makes his his path even harder, especially as a rookie. But uh, let's say, he, I mean, if he shows them something, then yeah, maybe he has a good chance of getting in there. But whether they're going to play him at nickel or on the outside, I don't know. I've heard both. I've heard that they like Luter inside and i've heard that they like him uh or not not they is in the 49ers but just in scout but scouts like him on the inside and some like him on the outside so i don't know where they're gonna put him cosmo how's it going man yeah go niners for sure red eye said i don't want a close game shanny gets flustered and puts out crappy play calls we all know his pff crap scores in the fourth quarter hey i mean Obviously, the the 49ers have to get better at those close games. Um, that's that's for sure. I mean, I just think that when they have played, when they play their game, they find a way to win. And when they play sloppy, and in those that three game losing streak, they they couldn't stop the run, they couldn't run the ball, and they kept turning it over, and they kept committing all kinds of penalties. And so when they do those things, they're going to lose. I mean, every team's going to lose games like that, but uh, when they really play their game, then uh, I think that they, uh, they, they can beat anybody. CJ, I think we are in second half of season mode right now. So I think the best version shows up every week. So I feel that they only, that the only game will lose in second. Uh, okay. So he finished that. He's, he's saying that he only feels like the, the game that they'll lose in the second half is, is against the Ravens. I think that they're more likely to lose in Philly, but, uh, that Ravens game is going to be tough too, because they, uh, they just play, um, I mean, that's just a tough team, you know, uh, red eye said sucks to play the Seahawks on uh, Thursday night, right after the bucks. Yeah. That's why I was saying, Let's hope that uh, the 49ers blow out the Bucks and can uh, rest some players like they did last week. And let's hope that that Seattle goes into overtime. CJ said, we just have no answer to what the Ravens do. Hopefully we don't see them in a Super Bowl scenario. Yeah, those running quarterbacks are, are a problem. Um, so, yeah, and he's he's responding to, to Red Eye saying, hopefully the game is over at the end of the third quarter, that's, uh, that would be great. So yeah, I think, uh, let me see what red eyes saying here. Shani does not practice two minute, no huddle drills, according to cone. 
I believe it. Shanny play calls are worse inside two minutes, close game. Yeah, I have heard that same thing. I, I have heard that they don't practice two minute, that they practice a four minute, um, four minute drills, but that they don't practice the two minute. And that's, I guess, Grant Cohn is that, uh, that must be where Red Eye heard that. Um, I don't remember where I heard it, but I, maybe I heard it from Grant. I, and I hope that that's not true because that's something, that's a really important thing. I think that they need to be working on, but Hey, I'm just some dummy sitting behind a microphone. So, all right. Andy said, Mitchell is obviously Kyle's favorite for running back two, but why isn't Mason getting at least some run in the offense? Okay. I feel like, I feel like every week I have to answer this question in the mailbag why isn't Jordan Mason getting to play as much as, uh, as Elijah Mitchell? So here, here are the three reasons why I believe that's the case. First, Jordan Mason is not as good in pass protection as Elijah Mitchell is. And for Bobby Turner and for Kyle Shanahan, that is really big. Pass protection for the running back is really huge. Number two, Mason isn't as good of a receiver as Mitchell. And so you think of one of the things that makes Christian McCaffrey so special is that he lines up in the backfield. The defense doesn't know if he's running the ball, if he's going to pass protect, or if he's going to go out and, and be part of the passing game as a receiver. And so that's one of the things that makes him so special. Elijah Mitchell, even though he's not on McCaffrey's level, he still can do the same things. But Jordan Mason's not as good at that. And so when he's in the game, the defense has a pretty good feel for what's going to happen. And that's typically going to be a running a run, uh, play. So that's another reason. And then number three is that Elijah Mitchell's never fumbled the ball in his NFL career. I don't know if Jordan Mason has in the regular season, but uh, he, he did a few times in the preseason. He did a lot in training camp, and the coaches see that. So I think they just trust Elijah Mitchell more. Is Jordan Mason a better rusher, you know, like running the ball? That's very possible. He certainly has looked better this year than Elijah Mitchell has. But I think that when you add those other things, I think that that's why um, Elijah Mitchell plays ahead of Jordan Mason. So take that for, uh, for what it is. Um, let's see. Red Eye says, Cone says he doesn't see it in practices. Two-minute no-huddle drills doesn't exist. So, yeah, that, that could be. Or, or maybe they practice it in a part of the field where Grant's not it. But, uh, um, you know, I, I don't think that he would make it up. And like I said, I have heard the same thing. So CJ said Mason doesn't pass, protect, or catch out of the backfield as well. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the problem. And, um, and he said, I do think when it's time to close out the game with known running situations, we should use Mason. I think that Mason's a great closer. And I think that that's, uh, that he's great for that spot. But again, it, uh, when the, if it's a close game, if, if it's like that Dallas game or like the Jacksonville game, to me, that's good. That's a good time to put in Jordan Mason and just let him run through people. If it's a close game that you have to close out, I think that Shanahan's going to go with Elijah Mitchell because he wants to know that his running back's not going to put the ball on the ground. And so that's uh, that's just what uh, what what they're going to do there. 
Rob asked, uh, end of the season, does San Francisco prioritize extending Chase Young or Brandon Ayuk? Now, I don't know if he's asking which of the two or if he's asking are they going to, to, to do either of them. So the way that I would answer it is that I think that they're at least going to try to re-sign Chase Young, and I think that they're at least going to try to extend Brandon Ayuk in the offseason. If I had to guess, and this is just my prediction, I hope that I'm wrong, but I'm going to I'm gonna guess that Chase Young is going to be out of the range of what they're going to be willing to pay. Remember, they're paying a lot of money to a small number of guys. And so what that has done is it's made the 49ers top heavy so that they have these really high paid stars. But when they go down their backups or, or when they just need to rotate their, their, their backups, their rotational pieces aren't as good as they have been in the previous year. So the depth of this team has suffered, not from a numbers uh, perspective, but from a quality perspective. And so when you lose guys like a Charles Minahu or um, some of these guys that are that were depth pieces with the 49ers but are now starting somewhere else, you lose quality depth like that, and it really hurts the team. So I think that uh, um, this is what we're talking about here is that are they going to be able to afford Chase Young? I kind of doubt it. And so I think that if I had to if I had to choose who I think they, uh, if it's between Chase Young and Brandon Ayuk, I think that they're more likely to extend Ayuk than uh, than they would be to re-sign Chase Young. I'd love to see Chase Young and Brandon Ayuk come back. I think it's gonna be hard to do both. Uh, it may be hard to do either of them. So, but I think that they can. I think that they can. You know move some cap they can manipulate things um so that uh i i think that they can play with some some numbers there and hopefully pull that uh off so cosmos said brad just reported verrett is practicing with the 49ers really so uh let me let me see was this brad graham that uh that said this um I, uh, so I'm just looking this up real quick. Um, um, I see that he's saying, bring back Jason Verrett for the vibes. Uh, so yeah, I'm not, uh, let me see if anybody else is saying anything. Um, 49ers worked out. Uh, this is from field Yates. 49ers worked out a familiar face in veteran cornerback Jason Verrett, who was released from the Texans practice squad on Wednesday. Huh. And then Matt Barrows responded to or, or retweeted that. Another indication the 49ers might not be quite content with their cornerback depth. So that's uh, – those are both interesting nuggets. So the 49ers uh, worked out Verrett, so, um, so maybe he is practicing with them. And Barrow's saying that this this might be an indication that uh, 49ers aren't crazy about their uh, their a uh, their cornerback depth. Which does that mean that uh, with Samuel Womack and uh, Darrell Luter Jr. that with them they're they're like uh, I, I mean their practice windows open. So 
they're they have a chance to show something. And so if the 49ers are working out Jason Verrett, does that mean that uh, uh, that, that maybe uh, Womack and Luter uh, aren't really showing enough uh, to make them feel good? I had heard, and I don't, I don't I hate saying this because I, I don't remember who who I heard this from, but I had heard that the 49ers weren't crazy about Samuel Womack's physicality. And so uh, that maybe when he started the the season last year at nickel and uh, then Jimmy Ward started playing, that one of the reasons why Womack didn't play anymore is because they did they weren't happy that he was he wasn't physical enough um, or whatever. So I uh, hate to say that about the guy, but uh, that's that is what what I've heard. Um, so, Interesting uh, that Jason Verrett is uh, is there. Red Eye said Womack is a small dude, too small. Yeah, and that's uh, they like, especially at nickel, you have to be able to tackle. That's the thing that Isaiah Oliver, that's what they like about him. He struggles with um, those, those quicker receivers, but the dude can flat out tackle. And some of those games in that three-game losing streak when the 49ers were missing so many tackles, Isaiah Oliver wasn't missing tackles. Now, he was he was missing receivers, but he wasn't missing tackles. So uh, let me get back to this mailbag and see if I can finish this thing out. J- Niner Jim asks, was there an explanation as to why Bosa was flagged for a personal foul on one of the sacks? He didn't hit low. Didn't lead with the head. He didn't land full body weight on Lawrence. I never heard any explanation. When I first saw the play, it looked like something that they might penalize. And so uh, it looked almost like Bosa kind of ripped him down. Um, when when they slowed it down, you could see that he kind of fell on top of Bosa, that Bosa kind of pulled him down. But I'm guessing one of the officials had an angle that where it looked worse or something. I don't know, but I think that that's why I think that it just uh, in real time looked worse than it was. And so, I mean, if you go to, uh, if you, if you go on Twitter and look at Jacksonville Jaguars fans, they're saying the opposite. They're saying that Bosa is a dirty player and that he was trying to hurt Trevor Lawrence. And so, uh, uh, that uh, obviously we know that that's not uh, that's not the case. So, um, see if I have anything else in here. CJ said Womack is, as a nickel, not a good idea. Too small, but an outside corner. I think he could be better than Ambry, but I can understand why go with Ambry. I think they're going to stick with Ambry for this season. Um, it's just it's going to be hard for one of these guys to. Uh, uh, to overtake Ambry Thomas at this point. So unless Ambry Thomas just plays terrible the rest of the season, um, which uh, knowing him is very possible. So Cosmo said Oliver had some great tackles from catches. He gave up. <laughs> well, I'm talking in the run game. He's uh, He's been really good in uh, the run game. So, <laughs> um, but uh yeah, so Red Eye said Legion of Boom was good size. Shortest guy was 5'11", tallest 6'3". Yeah, they liked those corners big. And uh, when the 49ers, when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch first took over the 49ers, they wanted 
big corners as well. They've kind of gotten away from that, but uh, uh, you know they they have uh, in the past one of those bigger corners like the Legion of Boom was. CJ said Oliver sucks. <laughs> he's uh, he's not been good in uh, in past coverage, but uh, I will give you that for sure. Hey, that's all that I have uh, for today. So if you're watching on YouTube. Please take a minute to subscribe, hit that bell. If you're listening, uh, wherever you listen to your audio podcast, please take a minute to rate, review, and follow uh, the 49ers Camelot show. Uh, but uh, going to be uh, looking forward to this game, and hopefully the 49ers can put the bucks away easily and quickly, get some rest, and uh, rest up for that Thursday night game against the uh, the uh, Seattle Seahawks on Thanksgiving night. Thanks everybody for watching. Hope that you have a good rest of your week and uh, go Niners.